Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, my friends. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge podcast. Wow. (sighs) Sometimes a week in between hanging out with you feels like a million years. This last week has been so crazy. We've had so many babies in our community be born. Our team has been stretched so thin. Plus, we are onboarding two new people. If you haven't heard, TBH is expanding to North Carolina. So things are crazy around here. So I'm so happy to be taking the next hour or so out of my calendar to just hang out with you, take some deep breaths. And today, we're actually going to be diving into the pelvic floor. That's right. I have on one of my really, really good friends, Dr. Jen Morgan. Now, Dr. Jen is a PFPT who is passionate about creating holistic care for her patients with pelvic health issues, but her real jam is helping moms stop peeing their pants and returning to living their best life after baby. Can I get a hell yeah? She blends orthopedic and pelvic health physical therapy practices, her yoga background, and further certifications in nutrition and prenatal and postpartum care to individualize each course of treatment or coaching session. Like... Now you know why I love her so much. It's Dr. Jen's biggest passion, really, to just see you succeed. So, hello. I knew that there was not a better person to have on the podcast to talk about pelvic health after baby. So, today, what we're really going to dive into is the nitty-gritty of how to find the right PFPT. How do you go about finding a physical a pelvic floor physical therapist what a mouthful to actually serve you in the way that is correct from you how about healing from a c-section the what the when the where the why the how we're also going to go into scar tissue and how that pulls on your pelvic floor plus the loss of bladder control after a c-section you guys This conversation is so good, and I'm so excited to have you share this with us. So without further ado, Jen, welcome to the show, my sister. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Oh my God, I'm so excited. So for our listeners, Dr. Jen and I are like instant friends. Like we were instant friends, but we're also like Instagram (laughs) friends, like Insta friends. Um, But this is the first time we're meeting quote unquote in real life. We're obviously videoing this because hashtag COVID. Um, But 
this is going to be such a good podcast, I think, for a couple of reasons. First of all, Dr. Jen, I love her so much and our energies are so great. I think you're going to you're going to walk away feeling really uplifted after this conversation. I also think this is going to be a topic that nobody prepares you for and nobody talks about. But we see thousands of women, millions even end up in this situation every year and then they have nobody to turn to. So, you know, ding, ding, ding. Here's the birth launch podcast. We are going to be sliding in hot with some things. But Dr. Jim, before we get started, who are you outside of Dr. Jen Morgan, PFPT, professional, you know, Dr. Jen? Yeah. So let's see. Outside of being a pelvic floor PT, I'm a little bit of like a transplant. So currently located in Connecticut, um, right on the shoreline, right on the ocean, which is like such a beautiful thing. Um, I'm like a wannabe house flipper. My husband and I bought a foreclosure last year and we are wrapping up that project now. Um, I'm literally sitting in my bed and this is like a, a crazy, like fun 1800s barn wall thing that we did. I feel pretty legit about it. Um, I grew up in Chicago. So I spent a lot of time there and then I spent my last eight years with Phoenix with my husband. So we've kind of been all over the map and, uh, yeah, we're basically, I'm coffee obsessed, obsessed with my dog and trying to flip houses at the same time. But then my life is all pelvic floor PT. So it's super fun. I love that. I think the transplant part speaks the most to my heart because listeners, you guys know, I'm not originally from Boston. I, this is my home now, but I'm originally from down South Mississippi area, Alabama, is where I actually moved to Boston from. So being in Boston, I too am a transplant and then coffee and dogs. And I want to be a house flipper, but I actually am not sure I have it in me to do the flipping. I would rather be on the production side where I just walk in with the blueprints and say like, you know, here and here and here. And I do the pointing and stuff. So not sure I could do, I could do house flipping, but um, let's dive into some PFPT because that too is not anything that is in my super wheelhouse. I have general knowledge, probably a little bit deeper than your average doula. Um, I have spent the last couple of years learning, you know, I don't want to say deep, but learning more than your average person. There's still so much I don't know. One of those being C-sections because it's very complex. First, we have to think that our pelvic floor is not just like in your vaginal region, right? It does impact that lower belly. So a C-section is going to impact your pelvic floor. But then also we have to consider that second layer of, well, your pelvic floor just did a lot of work during pregnancy to hold this weight. So before we dive into to C-section recovery, what is PFPT for people who've never heard this before? And why would you need it in general? And then also, can you tell us why you might need it after a C-section? And then we can go into the specifics. Oh, yes. Okay, totally. So what is PFPT? Right? So PFPT, pelvic floor physical therapy, also known as pelvic health physical therapy or just pelvic physical therapy. It is a subspecialty of like a physical therapy umbrella. So if you've had physical therapy for like your shoulder or your knee or your ankle, I am trained as a doctor of physical therapy to do those things. I totally can treat your ankle. And sometimes I am looking at your feet to figure out what's going on with your pelvis. But I specialize a lot in looking at your pelvic bones, how you're transferring weight, um, your hips, your low back, your spine, and then your pelvic floor. So everyone thinks Kegels. 
it's not just Kegels, right? So we are looking at how you move, how you breathe, what your um, standing mechanics look like, lifting mechanics look like. I'm kind of looking at you as this whole person. And the reason that someone would go seek out a pelvic floor physical therapist compared to just like a straight up orthopedic sports or neurophysical therapist is that we are treating conditions related to bowel, bladder, sexual dysfunction, chronic pelvic pain, and then pregnancy and postpartum. So urinary leakage, right? We're looking at like bowel constipation, diarrhea type stuff because pelvic floor physical therapists are trained to treat stool consistency issues. Pain with sex should never be a thing, right? So if you're kind of like, oh, I just have a tight vagina. No, you don't. That should not be happening, right? We can also look at that too. Um, and then in terms of like the pregnancy postpartum, right? So your body just did something freaking magical, right? You created life and your body had to change for 40, 41, maybe even longer to create and sustain this life and then get this baby out of your body. And we just like expect like, oh, you're just like gonna go back to normal. Let me just bounce back, right? Heck no, that's not how it works. Every single mom should have some postpartum care, right? You have eight visits for your child and then you get one at six weeks. Like that's insufficient. You need eyes on you, not only from like a mental and emotional and support standpoint, but also from a musculoskeletal standpoint. So for all my mamas who like want to get back to running or who are having, you know, difficulties with um, intercourse, or they're having some mid back pain because they're trying to breastfeed and they're contorting their body every way that they can. Those are things that a physical therapist who is specializing in pelvic health can look at on top of your core, your kegeling, all of that fun stuff. C-sections. When someone comes to me and they're like, oh, my pelvic floor should be fine. I had a C-section. Oh my God. No, you just had major abdominal surgery. Do you think anyone would have a shoulder surgery and never have PT afterwards? Never. That will never happen, right? Unless it's like something super, super simple. But typically, you're still going to get some kind of PT care afterwards. C-sections should be no different. They are slicing through your entire layers of your front abdominal core canister. There's like eight layers of fascia and muscles. And we think that that's just going to like re-coordinate. You're going to be able to breathe the same. You're going to be able to find those muscles the same. Heck no, right? So that's a couple of the reasons why in terms of C-section and postpartum, why someone would need a pelvic health physical therapist. That is everything that I always tell people, but I just don't have the credentials. So it makes me so happy to hear you say the same thing. It is super cringy and no fault of their own, right? It makes sense from how very little women are taught about their bodies that if you don't pass a baby through your vagina, you would not need PFPT. I totally get the rationale behind it. And I understand how so many birthing people come to that conclusion, but yeah, it's cringy to me because no, that's such a falsehood. And it's like damaging for people to believe this. You really, really need PFPT. So, all right. Mm, this is a question that just popped into my head and I, I can't not ask it. What has to change with legislation? Like this just needs to be part of 
care when you have a baby, you know, like maternity care just needs to be part of it. Does insurance cover this? Does legislation cover this at all? What needs to change for us to, to get this covered for every birthing person in our country? Because places like Sweden, Austria, Germany, they all have it. It's included. What are, what, what, how do we do it? Mm, that is hard. So you are right, right? All of like these European and Australia, these countries have it. Like France, you get an automatic like 10 after you deliver, which is like, it's amazing, right? Um, right now, in terms of how things are billed and bundled, like so when you give birth, there is like this bundle package. It's a global bundle that like all of your doctor's visits and your, you know, delivery and all these things all are packaged under one billing code, quote unquote. Um, unfortunately, in the PT realm, in physical therapy, we're actually seeing cuts. So CMS, so the Centers for Medicare Services and Medicaid Services, which most of our postpartum pregnant mamas are not on Medicare, right? But the CMS, if you're on some sort of like state Medicaid insurance, you, we see this like governing board making decisions, not only for the state-based insurances, but also the commercial-based insurances because they're going to follow suit. And when reimbursement gets diminished in Medicare and Medicaid, the commercial insurances like your Blue Crosses and your United Healthcare, they're also going to say, oh, well, if they're going to reimburse clinics less, we can reimburse clinics less. And so you're finding that most people trying to find a pelvic physical therapist or a physical therapist in general, they're seeing three, four, five patients an hour, and they're cramming it in because their reimbursement rates are so low. Most pelvic floor, pelvic health specialists are actually out of network for this reason. Um, because we want to see one patient an hour. And I'm also one of these people. I had to leave the insurance-based model because I was being denied care. Literally, they were like, oh, pelvic pain? Not, not a coverable diagnosis. And it is heart-wrenching to then have to tell someone, sorry, your insurance doesn't cover this, even though I'm a licensed physical therapist, right? And I have all the specialty training. They're going to come back and tell me that what I do is not coverable. So PT, we're seeing this gap within the insurance model, in my opinion, that is profits over people. And they are trying to diminish how much is being reimbursed. They're trying to increase deductibles. So people have to meet these insane large amounts. And practitioners like myself are leaving that model because we refuse to let our patients be treated that way. I was asked the other day, would you panel with insurance if it was different? And my response always is yes, because I want to treat the individuals who are on the state-based insurances. It's just that right now my hands are tied. So we really have to have this full overhaul of like, what is coverable? Who is making the decisions? Are these non-clinical people just trying to make a buck in the insurance model? Or are these clinicians who are like, oh, that shouldn't be a coverable thing. I don't know who it is, but we need to have like a complete overhaul. We have to have a complete revamp of like what our insurance-based model is because right now a lot of practitioners are leaving insurance. Well, you can't make a living. You can't keep your own family afloat if you are partnered with insurance right now. That's so disgusting to me because I talk all the time. Like, oh, I like actually feel a little nauseous right now. Ew. Um, yeah. Oh, it just makes me feel so nauseous to, to think how tied your hands are as a practitioner, knowing that you have the magic to help. So I felt like that when I, when I worked in early intervention, I had the skills to help these people. 
but the state tied my hands in so many places that I was watching these families literally drown and it was too much for me. I mean, obviously I, I no longer do early intervention. I had to get out. I, I totally hear you. This is super unfortunate because it puts the cost back on the consumer, which surprise, surprise, it's women. I mean, yeah, you know, I wonder if we would be putting this on the consumer if this was a male issue. It just makes me wonder, you know, again, who is who 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 are called, you know, who's calling the shots here? Who's making the rules here? It doesn't sound like it's people who actually understand um you know, PFPT or the human body or having a baby. That's unfortunate. Okay. So, okay. We talked about, you know, unfortunately they're, they're out of network. So we've coped with the fact that we're going to have to deal with this and, and kind of pay with for it out of pocket. It's worth it. People, if you're listening, being like, how am I going to do this? Find the money, right? Look at your budget, find the money. Your pelvic floor is so connected to everything. If you can get that healed, I promise you it'll pay off. You'll be healthier. You'll be happier. You won't have chronic pain. You're going to save money in the long run if you can put it up front and invest in healing your body after having a baby. But it matters who you let down there in your garden of love. It matters. It matters. So how do we find a practitioner who is actually qualified are there any red flags that we need to be looking out for? Are, are there any like green flags, gold flags that we're like, oh yeah, this is, this person is like totally trustable. This is kind of, you know, the golden ticket. How do you choose a PFPT? It's a really, it's something that's important because you're letting them around your most vulnerable space right after you had a baby. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. That's so true. And Finding a, a pelvic health physical therapist is relatively easy to locate, but you have to make sure that they vibe with you, right? So there are three main, we'll call them directories or search engines that you can actually search for people um, in your area by zip code. And then they'll also tell you like, do they accept insurance? Do they work out of network? What does that look like? It will give you all their contact information and I will give you those links so you can share them with your people. Um, that's like step one, right? You can find people who have taken the training. However, what I discovered moving to Connecticut. So I moved to Connecticut, knew no one. So I was like, oh, I'm going to start trying to find my tribe. I'm going to start trying to find other people who do what I do. It's great. But let me tell you, there's not that many in the state, but the directories show that these individuals have at least taken the course. So the directories are going to tell you if someone has taken like the entry level basic course and they are quote unquote able to treat your pelvic floor. In theory, that is true, but you need to find someone who has taken multiple courses. You have to ask the right questions. And I actually did a post on this not too long ago. We need to be asking, what is your training? Like, have you treated someone who has ABC conditions that I'm, I'm experiencing? How comfortable are you treating this? And the gold flag, right? The gold ticket of a good provider is that they're going to be super transparent with you before you even walk in the door. And also when you are there, my biggest thing is, is that like, if I'm going to work with you because you have leakage and you had tearing, maybe a grade four, like across your perineum and you're like, it's just painful. And it's terrifying to like have bowel movements and to pee. I'm going to point blank, tell you within the first three sessions, you should be noticing differences. You should be seeing changes. Here are my credentials. Here's what I'm finding objectively. And here's how we're going to get you to your end game. The right practitioner is going to lay out your roadmap. 
And now mind you, your roadmap may change because we are just hypothesizing how you're going to progress. But a good practitioner is going to be very transparent about their training, how they're going to get you to the end result. And those are the conversations you want to be having. You want to ask training, ask diagnoses and all the things that are pertinent to you. So I think, did I miss anything? I feel like I missed part of that question. No, that was, that was perfect. I think, you know, a lot of people, so personally, I feel like it's hard to find any sort of provider. I always, I'm like, who's my dentist? Who's my doctor? Like, where do I find these things? Why do I have to go through my insurance to find one? Why can't I just like find a doctor and my insurance pay that person? And it's like, I'm paying for the insurance. Can't I also choose my doctor? Like, can't you just pay who I want to treat my body? But it doesn't work like that. So I personally find that it's super hard. Um, chiropractors, I also feel are super hard to kind of find and and find a good one. So when I find a good a good chiropractor, I kind of latch onto them. Um, but no, I think you you answered you answered everything about that. So my next question is, okay, we've had a C-section. Now can we go through the like? what, wins, where, hows of PFPT to, you know, healing our C-section. When do we start it? How intensive is it? What can we expect from the first couple treatments? Is it going to be internal because we're working with a C-section scar, but, you know, we did just kind of talk about our PFP, our, our pelvic floor was important and involved. So how does all that play out? Totally. So, in a perfect world, right? I have successfully started practices in hospital systems where we were going upstairs to the floors and we were educating moms day one, day two, day three afterwards. That's not common, right? That was something that was like on my personal goal list when I was working in a hospital-based system. And so there are things that you can do very shortly after you deliver, right? Breathing is huge. Your breathing mechanics change because baby's taking up so much space. So working on what does your breathing look like? A couple days afterwards, you want to make sure that you actually are wearing that abdominal binder to give you the support because your muscles in your brain are just not as connected and you just had major abdominal surgery. So you want to focus on allowing those tissues to heal and you want to make sure that you're not putting a ton of like lifting pressure. And we talk a lot about bed mobility. So the first session, hopefully where you delivered, or you can also get this education at the end of your third trimester, right? I do a lot of virtual consults with mamas, like in their third trimester, should you be kegeling? Should you not be kegeling? Do we have to plan for a C-section? Here's what happens just in case. Here are things to know if you have a vaginal delivery or if you have a C-section delivery. So if you want, you can find a pelvic floor physical therapist third trimester to help set you up for the first couple of weeks postpartum. When I like to see people after a C-section or after a vaginal delivery, but also after a C-section is probably around that like three to four week mark. Um, ACOGS, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists actually came out, I think it was, oh gosh, 2019 or 2018. And they said that you don't have to wait until six weeks to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I like to see people like week three, week four, we start talking about, okay, what is that C-section scar looking like? How is it feeling? How is your breathing? We can start gentle pelvic floor, potentially contractions. If you're not having any pain, some activation for your, your true deep core, talking about how you're moving, how you're lifting, how breastfeeding is going, some stretches if you potentially need them. 
And then once that scar is closed or once that incision is closed, we want to start working on the mobility of the tissues, right? Scar tissue has this really bad rep, right? However, if you didn't have scar tissue, you would have an open gaping wound, right? So we really want scar tissue to help you heal. But we also need to make sure that those collagen fibers are not super sticky and dense. So there are techniques that I teach my mama's post C-section that we want to start mobilizing those tissues. We'll work above and below, not directly on for a certain period of time. And we go from there. So I like to see people week three, week four. And then once we hit week five-ish, six-ish, we'll, we'll start working internally, having that muscle assessment, seeing what your control is. And then we build from there. For me, my philosophy is that moms deserve consistent care over probably the first year because things are going to then again shift after you discontinue breastfeeding. So we start early and we continue on. And it might not be every single week. We might be doing like quarterly check-ins. We may be having this like crazy varied schedule, but it also, we want to make sure that the moms have the support that they need. Totally. And again, I know some people are listening to that being like, oh my God, I cannot, I would never just go for a year. I can't do that. You have to, you have to put yourself first. That's the bottom line. Your body just did something so crazy wild and it went through incredible shifts. You have to repair it. Like you're worth that. Sit down and truly think about all the positive things that will come if you allow your body to kill properly from the beginning, right? I do believe eventually every person who didn't heal their body is going to be going to the chiropractor, the acupuncturist, the pelvic floor therapist in 30 years because you now have chronic pain for the last 25 years. You will eventually fix this problem. Do it now. Do it now while it's healing, set a new foundation or a, you know, a strong foundation for the next time you're going to ask your body to do the same work, i.e. baby, right? All right, Dr. Jen, how does that scar tissue on, you know, from your, your C-section incision pull on your pelvic floor? I think a lot of people think about them as so disconnected, right? As two very separate things, but it's not like that. Your scar can actually cause your hips to be out of balance, your tailbone to be tucked too tight, your pubic bone to be tucked too tight, your pelvic floor to be too tight or off center or, you know, wonky. Like how does that scar tissue play into all of that? Can you give our listeners a visualization? Cause obviously I'm not that great at, at explaining this, but I know it happens. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And so the scar tissue itself. So think about your abdomen, right? And your pelvis. I like this visual of a, I call it pop in the Midwest, it's pop, right? So soda can, pop can, whatever can you want to think about, right? So the top is your respiratory diaphragm. So the bottom of your lungs, the bottom is your pelvic floor. The front are your like ab layers, if you will. So your fascia, your muscles with the deepest layer being that transverse abdominal muscles. And your back is your spine and your multifidus. So your multifidus is your deepest like back musculature. So when we slice through those eight layers of your front core canister. So through your rectus, your six pack, right. And through your obliques and through the peritoneum to get to that uterus, to get to that baby, 
we're changing how we're breathing and we're also potentially changing the mechanics of those tissues. Your uterus sits in a perfect world, right? Behind your bladder, slightly on top of, right? Depending on the anatomy of how you're standing or sitting. And even though the uterus is slightly, it's not slightly, it is grown, right? While you are pregnant, slicing into that organ is going to put pressure on your bladder. It's going to put pressure on your rectum and there's only so much space in your pelvic cavity. So we can also see urinary frequency, urinary leakage. If the bladder cannot do its job, if it cannot expand to contract, to empty and to fill, we're gonna start having some urinary issues going on. When organs start to feel a little bit, we're gonna call them irritated or dysfunctional, they're gonna start putting a little more pressure on that pelvic floor. And your pelvic floor is gonna try and compensate for that potentially with tightness. And that can then create this cascade of irritation, urgency, frequency, and all of these things that don't feel good for your bladder. Scar tissue in terms of more of like pelvic core complex is, you know, this hot topic of this diastasis recti, right? So DRA, a lot of people are worried about having this ab separation, right? This gap. But if we, if you think of like your six pack, and at the bottom of that six pack, you have an incision, it's kind of like an anchor. So if I am holding the bottom part of your shirt and you go to do a back bend, you're gonna feel that tension in the front of your belly because I'm pulling you down. So I have also seen that some core weaknesses, but also some like intense or increased widening of that fascial gap has been exacerbated by having a C-section. So yeah, you're gonna have some changes potentially in how you're moving. You're gonna have some changes potentially in how you're activating your strength or lack thereof um, on top of pelvic floor, bladder, bowel dysfunction too. So that bladder is is interesting. Let's talk about bladder control after a C-section and also maybe bowel control after a C-section. I don't think a lot of people connect really, you know, um, I mean, I guess it could happen after having a baby vaginally as well. People don't connect childbirth with bowel leakage. And that's something that catches people off guard. People know that I think urinary leakage comes, but they always expect it to go away very shortly after. Um, and that's not always the case. Talk to us about why and also when to seek support and what does that support look like? How does this happen? Yeah. So if you are having leakage at that six week mark, right? So six week post-delivery, any leakage, bowel leakage, bladder leakage, whatever it may be, that is when you should seek care, right? That at that point in time, things should have calmed down enough where that leakage has resolved, right? Now, mind you, there are some outlier cases, right? Not everyone's the same. And that's my biggest thing. Not everyone's the same. I'm making like sweeping statements here. The only sweeping statement that is like really, really true is that every single person listening to this podcast, if you have delivered a baby, you should be finding a pelvic PT, like straight up. Um, your bladder has been danced on by your child for weeks. And your brain has really two options. One, be very worried, constantly be focused on my bladder. Or two, know that like, once this baby's out of my body, my bladder is going to be better. And typically we take that second route. We know that like, we're growing this child, we're doing all the right things. And so, yeah, we're peeing more frequently during pregnancy. And yeah, maybe there's a little bit of leakage, but everyone kind of chalks it up to being normal. 
you can actually improve that during pregnancy, right? We, there are some things that we want to, maybe we let them slide until end game, but we can actually have a leak-free, pain-free pregnancy. But if it's happening after six weeks, that's when we need to get things looked at. And your brain gets really comfortable with these quote unquote pregnancy habits, peeing all the time, maybe having non-optimal poops or pain with pooping, pain with peeing, having to push to initiate the stream. Those are not normal, right? Those are common. They are not normal. So we really want to get anything that feels like you are pooping more than three times a day and it's like super loose and watery or you're not pooping every, you know, more than every three days. So you're going four days, five days, six days without having a bowel movement. Not normal. Constipation, diarrhea. If you're still dependent on your colase or your stool softeners or your laxatives, that also needs to be addressed too. And for bladder, you want to be peeing every two to four hours. You want to make sure you're taking in your water appropriately. You're not having any urge or leakage. All those things need to be restructured after you get to after delivery. That makes so much sense. I mean, everything, you know, for a vaginal delivery kind of gets shaken around and for a C-section, they really get shaken around. I mean, we're, we're like physically going in there. It's not yeah. a natural process of your organs kind of moving out of the way and, and back into, into place on their own. It's much more of a human guided process at that point. Yeah. That, that just makes so much sense to me. Okay. You know, one of my kind of biggest things that I try and prevent for people is is people looking back and saying, golly, I wish somebody had told me, but it sometimes comes down to, uh, you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know what questions to ask. You don't even know what possibilities are out there. And for birth, I feel like I do a very good job of that in the the birth lounge of preparing you for pretty much all the things that could happen. I mean, I, I really break it down. PFPT is one of the things I don't know what to ask. So when it comes to C-sections, can you share some of the most common things that catches people off guard when they come to you and they're like, Dr. Jen, I, I just wish I had known, or I just wish somebody had told me, or I had no idea this was a thing with, you know, birth in general, but specifically C-sections. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, I just want to do like a shameless plug for you that the minute I get pregnant, I'm going to totally be part of the birth lounge. I'm like so excited. I'm like so excited. Okay. Because I know that there is a lot of like golden mind blowing nuggets in there and I'm like stoked side note. So, um, <laughs> on the pelvic floor PT side, gosh, I think the biggest thing that I hear in terms of C-sections is that people, it was underplayed for them. Right. And so they did not realize how intense C-sections were. Um, people come into my door and they're like, oh, I was told that like it had to happen and it would be, you know, a scheduled C-section was totally quote unquote an option for me. And it just is like this normalized surgery, which is shocking to me because it's surgery. Everyone else will weigh the pros and cons of surgery, even on their toe. And then for C-sections, it's like, oh, well, this is just a quote, normal delivery method. And so the biggest misconception is that it's not a big deal. It's a big freaking deal. Um, now, mind you, there are, as I said, outliers where it was an emergency and you needed it to get your baby here safely. Totally. Right. That that's totally, totally, totally. Okay. Um, 
but normalizing this major abdominal surgery, I think is the biggest and most glaring thing that I see. Then I think the second thing that I see a lot is all of the difficulties with pooping, right? Because we really should have some sort of like abdominal support while we're trying to have this bowel movement, because that is a pressure regulation game, right? We want to figure out what is the pressure in our pelvis? What is the pressure in our abdomen? And we have to have a high to low type of situation, right? Everything works managing our pressures, breathing, pooping, peeing. And then also when we have the C-section, most people forget that your deep core is your pelvic floor's best friend, right? So when your best friend is pretty sad and like irritated, you're probably pretty sad and irritated too. And so a lot of people don't realize that relationship and there needs to be more education on this. There needs to be more transparency, right? We need to be doing a better job educating from the musculoskeletal aspects of things. And I think that's what a, a platform like the Birth Lounge, right? The, like the, the true um, Birth Lounge platform that you're doing and then also like social platforms can bring to people. Um, but yeah, I think, I wish people... I wish people knew all of the things like the cascade of events that like a C-section can do to your core, to your pelvic floor and to your organs. Sure. That resonates with me so deeply because, you know, it's something that we have kind of failed at, 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 at Tranquility Bahihi because we really do focus so much on vaginal delivery because 99% of people, they want that. Right. And up until recently, in the last few months, we haven't given too much thought and preparation to, um, you know, if you need a C-section. And as we began to see a rise in C-sections throughout coronavirus, just due to coronavirus, um, we've seen a lot of kind of really bad things happen due to coronavirus in the maternity health realm. But one of those is increased C-sections. And it was just shocking to me how many people said, you know, I really felt like if I had known a little bit more beforehand, it might have been better. Um, and so at TBH and Tranquility by Hehe, we now do a, a, a whole meeting on preparing for a C-section if you want. It's optional. Some people don't choose to, to have that talk. It causes them more anxiety to think about a C-section and they would rather kind of go into it not knowing. Um, but if you do, if it makes you feel better to have that information, we now offer that as an optional um, meeting that you can have with your team. So I hear you. That that resonates so deeply with me. All right. We've mentioned it a couple times, that postpartum poop. And then you kind of alluded to it earlier saying, you know, if you're still in your colace, let's talk about that first postpartum poop. How do we make it easier? And when you say be off your colace, how soon after birth are you talking? Mm, good question. So postpartum poops, right? And I think this goes for all poops, right? We really need to think about what are the mechanics happening for your pelvic floor and for the organ itself, right? So when we are trying to empty, our pelvic floor needs to be relaxed. We need to have the sphincters of the, we'll say the rectum, right? So the external anal sphincter or like the sphincter on the urethra open so that things can pass. Um, to do that, we really want to think about taking a nice, deep breath while we're trying to let things pass because the organ is doing the opposite of your pelvic floor. So as your pelvic floor is relaxing, we are having the organs contract. 
So the rectum and the bladder, they will be contracting. Um, in terms of how soon afterwards, right? So you're going to have some um, colics that your doctor or the nurse has given you. And mind you, you're going to have that while you're in the hospital and you want to make sure that that first poop is pretty relatively simple and easy. And I think it also depends on the physician. Um, gosh, I really want them off within the first couple of weeks. Definitely. If you're coming in to see me at six weeks, I would like to see you off at that point. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And then at that point I'm having a conversation with their physician. So that is like my general guideline. We want our poops to be relatively back to ease and norm within the first couple of weeks. And going back to that, like third trimester, I do a lot of pooping education of proper defecation mechanics. Here's how to better support yourself because we want to give your abdomen support when you're having a C-section, put a pillow in front, take your deep breaths in, try to have your knees and your shoulders closer together so you're leaning forward or you have a squatty potty. And we do a lot of talking about that to make it easier for your pelvic floor, but also for your core and for your organs in general. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. It's actually a lot longer than I thought you were going to say. I would probably have assumed you would be off the colace, I don't know, by two weeks or so. So it is a little bit surprising to me to hear that some people are on it for, you know, much longer, four to four weeks or plus longer than that. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's over the counter, right? So I think that people get comfortable with it and your bowels are really slow learners. And so I tell people in a perfect world, in a perfect world, they're off it relatively shortly. I see people that are on it still. And I, I question how much of that is the fact that I'm, I'm seeing mostly people who are having issues at that four, six weeks, not necessarily people who are doing well. And I'm trying to change that, right? People who are quote unquote doing relatively well, you should also be seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist. So if you're coming to see me and you're still on it at four to six weeks, it's probably because you're having an issue in a healthy individual, you know, you're doing it for very short term. Sure. That makes so much sense. Wow. Okay. This episode has been so, so, so informative. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I know that people are going to have questions and I want to direct them straight, straight to you. I'm people, don't reach out to me with your questions. Reach out to me on how to get into contact with Dr. Jen and I can put you in contact. Um, but Dr. Jen, how can people get in contact with you if they have questions, wanted to work with you or interested in following along? Where, where are you and how can people find you? That is a great question. So I, I'm a, I can treat individuals anywhere, right? So I do virtual visits, which is super exciting. You know, one silver lining of COVID is that my business has transformed that we can do remote work. Um, if you live in the state of Connecticut or if you live in the state of Arizona, I can actually do true structured physical therapy with you. And the best way to find me, there are two ways. One, Instagram, because Instagram is like the best. Um, my handle is at doc, D O C underscore Jen Morgan, J E N M O R G A N. Um, I respond to every comment, every DM. So please drop them there. If you want something a little more lengthy, because let's get real social does 
give you a limit on how many characters, you can actually email me directly, which it's just my name, Jennifer at centralitywellness.com. Um, I can give you that information. You can share that with them too. But email or social are going to be the two best ways to get a hold of me. And yes, you can work with me no matter where you live. We will make sure to get you on your way to a healthy, healthy third try, right? or second try. I'll work with you anytime when you're pregnant, um, but also healthy postpartum. Um, don't let location be a limiting factor because virtual is an option. Totally. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I just have to put a plug in here because I'm telling you right now, the, the changes that coronavirus has caused in our daily um, life and living and just lifestyle, you guys, our pelvic floors, our bodies, our babies, they're paying the price in birth. So if you have tottered and teetered and tottered with the idea of going to get PFPT, please, 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 now is 1,000% the, the time to do it. Dr. Jen... Thank you so much for being here with us today. Is there anything else you want to leave our community with before we sign off? Mm, um, thank you for having me, right? So that's so exciting. Um, because of this podcast, when it goes live, um, I actually am going to offer 10% off of like all um, virtual sessions, right? So I have an hour option or a 30 minute option. And so for your listeners, it will be 10% off and we're going to use the code TBH. Um, and we'll go from there. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Dr. No Jen, problem. Great surprise. You guys, I had no idea she was going to do that. That I, if I wasn't sitting down, I would like get up and jump around. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much. All right, listeners. Happy Tuesday to you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I hope that this educated you a little bit on something that you probably didn't know about your body. It gave you a different look at PFPHT and C-section recovery, but also talked about a taboo and scary kind of secretive hush hush topic with some light hearted fun. Um, Dr. Jen is always here to answer your questions. I'm always here to forward your questions onto Dr. Jen. <laughs> and you know, I'm always here to, to chat in DMs as well. If you need anything, you guys, this community loves you so much. Please reach out to us if you need anything. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. there. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Please consult your health care provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.